This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Tomorrow is a Remembrance Day, but since tomorrow is also Free for All Friday on Fight Back, we want to pay tribute to this solemn occasion by bringing you a special segment with two World War II veterans who are honoring us with their stories of fighting in the Second World War. General Richard Romer will join us later this half hour, but first, Jack Rind, Canadian World War II veteran, Royal Canadian. Canadian artillery who served in the Italian campaign. Jack, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yes. Uh, you're, are you called Jane? Yes. Okay, Jane. Jane and Jack here on Fight Back. Oh, uh, what a pleasure. And for me as well. Jack, you have said that war is brutal and we need to remember how stupid and unnecessary it is. Can you expand on your thoughts? Well, yes, of course, it, yes, it, it, it war, particularly, uh, take World War Two was, was the, uh, I'm quoting the big, the biggest and deadliest war in, on history involves 300 countries and, and the greatest mass, uh, destruction you could think of. And it was, when you think of the, the hundred thousand Canadians and the, and the, the that were killed in the two wars and 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 the terrible terrible civilian casualties. I mean, and, and, and do you want me to go on about this or what? Well, if you if you'd like to, I certainly want to hear um, your personal stories yeah, well, around. You ask me my personal. Story. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I can tell you that war war is so crazy. We. We wrecked the country. We ruined Italy. We, the civilians suffered tremendously in being killed and, and so on. And, and, and then as far as I was concerned, war is so stupid because one day I'd be killing my, the enemy. I'd be killing German soldiers with my guns. The next day we'd capture some and they'd be just guys like my guys. They'd come from families at home and, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, I won't go on, but well, I went. Yes, okay. So when you think you back, ask me some questions. Yeah, me, absolutely. I'll tell you what I did and what my role was and everything. You, but I don't know what you wanted. Well, hear. Jack, why don't we start with um, how it all began for you? Uh, your role in World War Two. Oh well, how, how I don't know how far back you want to go because. World War One had just finished when I was at school, so we all had still we, we still had cadet corps, and then and then uh, when I was at university, the uh, this uh, World War Two was starting, and so we had the uh, uh, I joined what was called the COTC, the Canadian Officers Training School, uh, and 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 then uh, then I decided I should take uh, go in for artillery, and I took and then then I. Finally, wanted to get into action, and I was able to get into action. Took my training across Canada, and uh, and then I got uh, 
ship to England, and uh, finally I got posted to the 11th Field Regiment and uh, uh, and in command of, of 9th Battery with its with its four 25 pounder guns. And uh, what do you want? To, what I can talk more about what what my role was and so on. Well, what was it like? What was daily life like for you? How long were you over there for World War Two? Oh, well, it depends what you mean by world, how long I was over there. First of all, I went, we, I was many months in England training. Mm-hmm. And then we got on a ship. We thought we were going to train in, in some more in Ireland, but this ship was so big, we couldn't figure out. We just, and then we looked up after a couple of days and my God, that's the Straits of Gibraltar. So then we landed in Sicily and began the war and, in Italy, and 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 we fought in Italy. That was before D-Day. For for almost a year, we fought there, and 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 I can tell, I can read from my diary. About, yeah, please. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kept a diary, so so I'm reading from what I actually wrote while in action, and I I don't know how much of this you want to hear, but I can read you some things that are very real because they're being written actually while I'm in action. And, uh, but first of all, what did I do? I was a gun position officer. I commanded a troop of, of four 25 pounder field guns. Uh, and I can tell you that field guns are, are small cannons that are on wheels, but, uh, there, we don't use them to necessarily destroy buildings, but to, to 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 land and when our infantry is pr- progressing we fire on the enemy so it's easier for the infantry to progress anyway that that's and and I commanded these four 25 pounder guns and I had to ha- dig a gun w- with my head my, my head uh, team I we dug a pit and from that I uh, I, I, gun positions. Uh, we had four gun positions. Blah, mm-hmm. blah. How much do you want of that? Well, let me ask you this, uh, Jack. You're 101 years old. These diary entries that you're about told to... told you I was 101. Uh, my producer, Zeev. Oh, his arithmetic isn't very good. How old are you? <laughs> 102. <laughs> 102. Congratulations. Okay, let's go on. So let's... So at what... How old were you uh, when you wrote what you're about to read for us? Well, I, I was uh, 20, 20, 20, 24. Uh, 24 and, okay. Oh, well, yeah. please go ahead and, and read what you wrote in your diary all well, those I, years there's, ago. A, there's a lot, but here, I, I, here it is. I can say uh, I, I'm writing in the diary that day. It rained and snowed most of last night. I woke up to find our gun area a sea of mud and water. I couldn't conceive how we were going to make our gun position out. This is supposed to be sunny Italy, fighting in sunny Italy, and we landed there in Sicily and fought all the way up Italy for over a year uh, before D-Day. And so uh, there was sunny Italy was a terrible, it was the worst country to be attacking because down the middle, were the Apennine Mountains, and then off the off these mountains on each side were rivers from the Moro, the Sango, the Rapido, the Montiono, the Fogo, all these rivers, and we had to keep crossing these rivers. Do you want to hear all this? Yes, not? absolutely. We had to keep crossing these rivers 
to to advance forward, and of course the Germans would would blow up the bridges. So some of my diary recordings of trying to cross a river when the enemy was on the anyway. Well, please uh, keep reading. Please keep reading because I think right. it's amazing here's, that uh, here's here's okay. one. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm woken up at, uh, I have my four guns, you see, and I, I'm the gun position officer and, uh, controlling these four guns through a microphone and so on. But anyway, um, I'm reading out of the diary. Uh, I am awoken at 00300 hours. That's just half past 12 tonight by a peculiar crash and a yelling. Someone's hurt. It's at number two gun, sir. Man's leg off. Oh, man. What what a night for this to happen. The mud is ankle deep, and the wind is lashing the rain down in stinging fury. Get to number two gun and find the voice uh, putting Collins on a stretcher. So that that's just one example yeah. I can read, and lots more like that. And where and where do you remember being cold? Like, what do you remember oh, about? Gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's cold. It was miserable. Yeah. yeah. And and how was that? You know, were you eating? Were you able to get like hot coffee, tea? Like, well, well, we had rations that we and they brought brought stuff up for us, and yes. Yes, we we managed to. You know, it wasn't. It was just very basic food. But, yeah. uh But anyway, we we managed. It. The poor, the poor Italians. They were struggling, and sometimes they brought us food if they had some for us, and so on. Uh, and after you, uh, you said for a year you were fighting up the middle of Italy. What happened after that, Jack? Well, we after we got nearly up to where we were wanting to get to. Uh, 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 the uh, uh, Churchill and, and, and the commanders decided we should go over and help them in if I, where they're now fighting in Europe, and so they put us on a boat and to we landed in Marseille and drove all the way up to to join the action in Holland. It, that was in February of 1945. By then, the Germans should have quit by then because they were losing. And fighting in Holland was 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 very very much easier than f- the fighting in Italy. The Germans were on the run, and so it it wasn't. And and then when we the uh, the Dutch people were so grateful when we were when we relieved a village which had been under the ruthless thumb for two, four years, they couldn't. They couldn't show their appreciation in greater form. It was mm-hmm. almost embarrassing. Anyway, wow. so uh, but Casino was where I was with my foot in Italy. Back to the Italian. I was at the foot of Monte Casino, which was the most horrible part of the Italian campaign, because we were trying to. We the our side was trying to get to Rome, but we had to pass this Monte Casino, which had a wonderful. Monastery at the uh, at the top, and stupidly, like war, we bombed and ruined this iconic monastery. 
because we thought the Germans were using it, uh-huh. but they could use it when it was wrecked just as easy. And we had I we had our our guns at the foot of Monte Cassino for seven weeks, wow. and we couldn't move around in it because every time we moved, they could see us, and so we only moved when we had to fire our guns, and then they could fire on us. So. It would, it would, oh boy, that was... Yeah. Jack, let me ask you this. Um, we do need to wrap up, and we really appreciate you being with us today on the day before Remembrance Day. Uh, how much has being a World War II veteran meant to your life? Uh, not, not very much. No. Once, once it was over, uh, the man that had... Uh, uh, trained me in 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 Canada. One, it was an officer who was the the the, the president of a life company, and he hired me, and and so on. And I ended up as president of that life company, and so on. And so, and I married a wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. wife. And the war was something in my past. That, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it is occasionally a bl- when I make a mistake of judgment and turn the wrong way on a road or something. I think, God, if I were, if I made that mistake while I was leading my troop, it would be serious. We'd be in enemy territory, but I don't think of the war anymore. No, it doesn't mean anything to me. And I mean, I, it meant a huge amount in my life. Yes. It, it matured me in a great way and uh, I could go on about it, but yeah. no. Well, thank you so much for spending a part of today with us and um, recollecting your memories from that time so long ago. Jack, it was a pleasure to meet you. Well, all right. It's my pleasure. So have you got a husband? Uh, yes, I do have a husband. <laughs> all right. Any children? I do have two children. Yeah, grown children. All right. Well, thank you for asking. I see. Well, okay. Well, give your husband a message, will you? Yeah. Tell him he's lucky to have such a nice sounding charm. Oh, well, that's very nice, Jack. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we are thinking along with you as we approach Remembrance Day tomorrow. Jack Ryan, Canadian World War II veteran, Royal Canadian Artillery, who served in the Italian campaign. Quite a story. And still to come, General Richard Romer, Honorary Lieutenant General of the Canadian Armed Forces. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby will be back on Monday. We are taking time to reflect on the sacrifices of Canadian soldiers on the day before Remembrance Day. And now we go to a very special guest, Zoomer Media friend, General Richard Romer, Ontario Lieutenant General of the Canadian Armed Forces. General, hello. It's an honor to speak with you again. Nice to talk with you, and I was just listening to Jack with his great stories in Italy. He's an old friend of mine, and he's really old. What is 102? Yeah. Holy cats. I don't know that anybody gets to be that old. I'm only 98, so <laughs> you understand. You have a few years to go, sir. Of course. <laughs> now, what are you thinking about? Uh, you and I last spoke uh, on the anniversary of D-Day, uh, and we also, you reflected then on Queen Elizabeth's 70 years as well. What are you thinking about as we approach Remembrance Day 2022? Well, I'm thinking about being alive and well, and uh, in terms of the military experience I've had over 
the long period from the time I was 18, I walked into the recruiting office in London, Ontario. All the paperwork had been done, and I joined the Air Force on January 24th, 1942. And I'm still there as the Honorary Lieutenant General of the Canadian Armed Forces, the Honorary Lieutenant General. There's only one of me, thank goodness for that. <laughs> but I've had all kinds of experience, wartime and peacetime, that yeah. has been really, for me, very fulfilling, and I'm so honored to be able to continue. So 80 years ago, you signed up. And here we are 80 years later, and you are able to tell us about your experiences as a young man. I'm sure when you were listening to Jack's stories, uh, what did you think about? Um, because you had, I mean, you were a, a pilot, a fighter pilot, so your experiences were different, but uh, you were in the same situation. In the same situation, but really remarkably similar. Jack fired his small guns. He had four of them to begin with in Italy, artillery guns, small and 25-pounders. When I got into combat at the beginning of, uh, oh, at the end of 43, I flew a Mustang. And one of the things I had been trained to do by that time was to range, that is, direct the fire of artillery guns, the same kind of guns that Jack had, except mine were much bigger in terms of directing the fire. Right. There were guns that were up to uh, 150 and not uh, 25. And uh, actually, I ranged some super heavy guns over 14 miles of uh, space. And I did that a great deal during all of my tour from for about 18 months. In fact, the last session I did was to knock down a pair of bridges at a place called Venlo on the Moss River, and it cut off all of the German ability to retreat from Holland. And that had been ordered by Montgomery, the great uh, general, you know, he was great. Call him out of heaven, he'll tell you how good he is. <laughs> In any event, I had a similar kind of experience with guns that Jack had, except that I was ranging them all over France, Belgium, Holland, and finally at the entrances of Germany. So we had something in common. And I was yeah. Air Force, single engine fighter pilot, fighter reconnaissance. I had three three jobs. One is to range guns. The other is to photograph enemy positions with a camera that was stuck in the back of my Mustang fighter. And the third thing was simply to see what the enemy was doing. That was my job. And I did most of it in a Mustang that didn't get above 5,000 feet. Most of it was at about a thousand feet, so I could see what was on the ground. General, you and know what I... Everybody liked to shoot at me. You know what I remember from our conversation on D-Day? Uh, you were explaining um, how you were not that far off the ground, o- over the water, and that you were, you basically, your 
gas tank was empty. And that that image has stayed with me. For those who were not listening to you on that day, can you tell us that story again? Well, the story was very simple. On D-Day, I went across from England in my Mustang fighter with alongside another fighter. He was the leader. We got over to uh, the beach area, and we had to get down low uh, because there was a bank of cloud right over the whole of the beach area, British, Canadian, and American. And in order to get through, we had to go down to 500 feet uh, under the clouds so we could see where we were going. And we did that. The two of us, I was watching uh, my leader's tail to make sure that if the enemy came with the Luftwaffe, uh, I would be able to see him coming and we would be able to handle the situation. We got into Caen. The big city just to the south of the beach area in Juno and that sector looked around, didn't see anything, and came up the Orne River, a beautiful river that goes north from uh, Caen up to the beachhead area. And as we motored up, we stayed down very low, and we saw at a bridge that had been captured by the uh, paratroopers who landed in gliders. They were still fighting for to capture the bridge. It was an important bridge across the Orne. Uh, had to be captured, and it was. They were fighting over it. Then uh, Jack Taylor and I, he was leading. Uh, we went uh, to the beach area, silver, Juno and uh, motored up and down the beach at about 500 feet, seeing what was there, until at one point I looked at my petrol gauge, my fuel gauge, and it said zero. See, if you're following a leader, you're using a lot more gasoline than he is because you have to keep your position on him. I see. So what has happened was that uh, I had been using much more fuel and when I looked at my gauges, because I was looking out of what was on the ground, it said zero. So I had a panic situation, so to speak. And I called Jack and said, we've got to get back to to uh, our base in England. And I have to cut my fuel consumption back to zero because I have my gas gauges showing zero. So we did that. And, and you made it. got up to about <laughs> 1,500 feet, Yeah, headed back to England, and landed at an airfield called Thorny Island, where I had been before D-Day for a couple of landings. I knew where it was, got it down, and the, my engine shut down when I was on the runway. I had run out of fuel. It was a marginal affair, so I was able to do another run in the afternoon, across to the uh, the beachhead area. Very exciting day. Yeah, absolutely. General, we only have a few minutes left. I do want to ask you a similar question as I asked Jack Rind. Uh, how has being a World War II veteran shaped your life? How, how much has it meant to your life? 
Well, being a World War II veteran has shaped my life right from the very beginning. I wanted to fly, and I became very good at it once I got in and got into operations. I did 135 low-level missions being fired at all the time, starting in, in on D-Day and through uh, Normandy, France, Belgium, and uh, Holland, and up into Germany. So I said a year and a half of that. But after the war, uh, I stayed on in the reserve force. I went to university, and in Windsor, Ontario, I got my Bachelor of Arts degree, and I went to the Navy for uh, three years in Naval Reserve. When I got up to law school at the end of... Uh, my session uh, at Bachelor of Arts, I uh, then decided that I would join 400 Squadron, which was flying vampire jets uh, in Toronto. It was the first jet squadron that we had in Canada, and this is 1948. And I joined the squadron as a pilot officer. I lost all my rank and they switched back to the Air Force. But I was successful so that by 1952, I was commander of the first two Canadian jet fighter squadrons in my capacity as a reservist. And I then stayed on in the reserve force, got my law degree, practiced law, joined the Air Reserve uh, and kept on flying with them after I retired from right. that post. And, uh, how many years has it I'm been now there. since, how many, are you, you have flown fairly recently, right? You were telling me. Yes, well, this time, I, I'm 98. I stopped flying about two years two ago. Two years ago, right. So that's a good time to stop. <laughs> you know what? That's a pretty good run. <laughs> Uh, General Richard Romer, uh, you probably uh, certainly recall uh, the special Remembrance Day show that you recorded here at Zoomer uh, Media with Vision TV. That is rerunning again tomorrow night. Uh, the, remem- the Remembrance Day episode tomorrow night, Friday, November 11th at 11 p.m. Eastern. So, it will be a great pleasure to be able to revisit that show with Libby Snymer as host. And uh, thank you so much for once again joining us here. We are big fans of yours, as you know. And I know. And I'm, I'm taking a salute in Hamilton at their big parade on the 13th. <laughs> I'm now in a position to take salutes, and I've got to do that on the 13th. There will be um, about 10 units on parade and I can still manage a salute for them. Absolutely. General Richard Romer, thank you once again for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, uh, that was a really fascinating half hour. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And, uh, you know, tomorrow on Free for All Friday, Bob Comsick will be in the chair. If you care to call in and share memories of loved ones who served, or uh, if you have stories as well, uh, if you're lucky enough to have lived as long as Richard and Jack, we would certainly like to hear from you as well. In the meantime, uh, the number one's at one coming up after Bob Comsick's news right now. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.